Hey, hey, everyone. Oh, some big, not breaking. It's not breaking news. By the way, guys, I just want to remind you, if you see a piece of Teen Mom News article, item, whatever, and I have not posted it on my Instagram, I've seen it. <laughs> like, If you have eyes on it, I have eyes on it. I promise my Instagram is not a breaking news site. I am not on it 24-7. That's for like the Teen Mom chatters and the Teen Mom shade rooms of the world. I will post it when I'm able to. It is overwhelming to open my phone and have about 50 notifications <laughs> because I had like something happened within 30 minutes that I haven't posted yet. So, you know, just keep it in mind if you're like, oh my God, I have to send this to Liz. Just be like, Liz probably saw this. Just, it's just me asking you. <laughs> anyway, that said, so last week when I was doing my team mom news roundup, the things that we had missed in the last whatever month that I had been off, I forgot to mention that Ryan had posted on his Instagram stuff about Mackenzie being a cheater. He like left comments on her Instagram. He made a post, but then it all kind of got deleted. And honestly, I kind of forgot about it. It's not, it's not that I like, obviously I forgot when I was like recording I knew it had happened, but I don't know. It didn't seem like that big of a deal. Like, Ryan's an asshole. It went away. There wasn't really that much to talk about in regards to it, right? So the other day, I guess that was Wednesday or Thursday, Ryan posted what looked like, to me, a like a boudoir photo shoot of Mackenzie in which you can see, like, her cleavage and her boobs but it's not like explicit and it looks like he's taking a pic like it looks like the picture comes from like a a photo book you know that you like print out yourself so I'm assuming this was like a picture she took for him and gave to him it was obviously like not meant to be posted on Instagram I it wasn't you couldn't like see her nipples or anything but it was clearly a private photo when I reposted the caption I first kind of just posted it. And then I looked at the picture again and was like, oh, this is revenge porn. So I deleted that really quick and reposted it because it's also it was kind of hard to see. It was like blurry. And like I said, a picture of a picture. But when you actually looked at it, it was pretty clear what it was. It was Mackenzie's boobs. And I was like, well, there's no way she went that online. <laughs> like That's definitely revenge porn. And I mean, I know so because of the caption that he posted with it, which was not not too nice. Um, this was the caption he posted with it. <sighs> okay, this is like major trigger warning for domestic violence, um, for slut shaming, which is not a term that I love, but I don't I don't know what else to say. Ryan is being really abusive towards Mackenzie in these, so if that triggers you, skip forward. I just there's I'm just gonna talk about what he posted and it's really it's gross honestly like he kept posting stuff that I did not repost on my page because it's just so gross I'm like I don't need to give that a home it's on every other you know what I mean it's like all over TikTok are you guys getting team mom TikToks I can't fucking scroll fast enough <laughs> should I become a teen mom TikToker no 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 <laughs> okay Ryan posted 
that picture. And it's, if you guys have never seen a a spineless slut, this is one. They take your money, sleep with anything that looks at them, but they must have a wife too. God, what a joke. It's sad, really. (sighs) Then he just continuously went on to call her a cum dumpster repeatedly, which is so gross. He like changes Instagram bio to having a cum dumpster slut of a wife. Just like really, really disgusting. It's clear that obviously shit has gone down between Mackenzie and Ryan and just it's just gross like I said I posted that screenshot but I like he was true he posted like five or six things that were just so gross that I was like I I don't think they need to be posted and then last night it broke that Ryan had been arrested so after he posted that revenge porn which by the way I hate that phrase I hate the phrase revenge porn we should be going at sexual assault because that's what it is if somebody posts nude pictures of you without your consent online they are sexually assaulting you like that's sexual assault full stop I don't I don't know why we don't talk I mean I I know why but we should be talking about it in that concept we have we but There's a movement to move away from the phrase child pornography to childhood sexual assault materials, CSAM, and obviously it's a little wordier than CP is, but the point is to drive home that every image of these children is sexual assault, and every time you view them, you are sexually assaulting a child, you as in like a disgusting pedophile. Um, And I feel that way about revenge porn as well, like... If you, that's a violation. And I don't really know why we don't talk about it that way. We should be talking about it that way. And I'm trying to reframe my, like, the way that I talk about it to include that. By the way, I'm listening to this podcast called Queen of the Con about Danielle Miller, who was a scammer who, like, got arrested after getting a BBL and was, like, still in her full, like, Jade, remember when Jade got her BBL? Like, she was like that when she got arrested. Mostly this podcast, and it, it's not good, um, but I'm interested in her story, so I've been listening to the podcast. And when Danielle was a child, when she was 13, she had one of the first viral videos about herself uh, in regards to, like, unconsensual nude photos posted. Uh, she took a video of herself masturbating with the end of a Swiffer and sent it to a friend when she was 13 and it was posted everywhere. She became known as Swiffer Girl. It's really, I mean, it's truly horrific. And during her court sentencing, she called herself a victim of child pornography and the host, who I I don't like him. Apparently he's not straight, but he gives me major straight man vibes in a way that I can't fully pin. But he came on, like, to interrupt, you know, because they're, like, playing the recording of her. And he's like, um, excuse me. (laughs) She was not a victim of child pornography. What happened to her was bad, sure. But the only, like, you can only call yourself a victim of child pornography if an adult made you take it. Since when, dude? What? The, like... Thousands and thousands of people saw a video of her doing sex acts when she was 13. How is that not a victim of child pornography? It's really weird. And 
it really like made my skin crawl hearing him say that he's like she's just saying that so that the judge will feel bad for her and it's like yeah but also it's true if that I I don't love this idea that like there has to be an adult involved in distributing it in order for it to be classified as being a victim of child pornography what happened to her was fucking horrific and probably much of the same trauma as somebody who an adult forced them to do it. I I just I don't I don't understand these like distinctions that we are obsessed with a society of making. And I mean, I know the reason he's doing that, right? Because his unconscious bias tells him that she deserves it because nobody made her do it. So actually, she does deserve it. And she doesn't get to call herself a victim of something. She like he can acknowledge something bad happened to her and acknowledge that was bad. But he can't extend the same amount of empathy he has for victims of child sexual assault material that he should extend to her he can't do it and i think the same rings true for a lot of people with like revenge porn in the bot in the back of our minds or subconsciously or whatever we feel like these people deserve it because they were slutty enough to send somebody nude pictures right like that's that's the way we view it and that's why we talk about it so casually but i I don't think we should speak about it so casually, but okay, I digress. Um, I guess Wednesday, I guess Mackenzie went and got a temporary restraining order out on Ryan after he posted that, which I was very glad to hear because he was obviously escalating and getting scary. And here is like the statement on his arrest and article on February 9th, Ryan Edwards was served with an order of protection by the sheriff's personally ordering him to immediately vacate a residence where his wife Mackenzie was currently living. This morning, February 10th, at approximately 11 a.m., Mackenzie Edwards came to the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office to report that her husband had posted revealing photos to her to his Instagram account, and according to her, they have since made it to national news outlets. Oh, I'm sorry. I was reporting this wrong. She got the protection order before he posted those pictures so he had a protection order served to him when he posted those pictures he is he sucks so much okay uh ryan edwards is known for his role in the mtv the mtv tv show teen mom the photographs did not show nudity but were revealing during today's conversation with mckenzie it was discovered that ryan had violated the order of protection by contacting her father on february 9th advising him to let Mackenzie know he would be at the residence the same day to gather his belongings. So just so you know, um, when you have a restraining order out, like, or when there's a restraining order against you, you usually are not allowed to contact other people on behalf of the victim. So that usually includes, like, you're not allowed to post on social media about them, and you're not allowed to contact like family members and friends in an attempt to communicate with the victim via a third party. So him calling, like what he could have done was had his parents or somebody in his life call Mackenzie's parents and let them know, but he's not allowed to directly contact them. I think it even gets murky if he's having third parties contact her, but I don't think it'd be a violation if he told his parents this was what was going on and like Jen called Mackenzie's dad at least not in Pennsylvania as far as I remember, but that's that's why, like, him calling her dad is a violation. Okay, uh, it says, during the course of looking into the issue of breaking the order of protection, the deputies learned 
that Ryan had an active warrant for harassment, which was taken out by the Chattanooga Police Department. Mackenzie was listed as a victim in that incident. This warrant was taken out on February 8th, 2023. So just for clarity's sake, Friday was the 10th. That was when he was arrested. The 9th, that Thursday, is when he posted these pictures. And the 8th is when the harassment charge was taken out on him. And I would imagine when the order of protection was created and served. Okay, after learning of the warrant, the deputies responded to a residence located on blank near State Park in an attempt to arrest Ryan on the outstanding warrant. Deputies asked Mackenzie to meet them at the location should they need to gain entrance into the residence. Once on scene, the house was found to have sustained considerable damage. They don't go on to list what the considerable damage is. I would guess he was punching holes in the wall, breaking shit. You guys know that I have talked extensively on this podcast that destructive, destructing, how do I say that? Destruction of property is domestic violence. Like if you have a significant other that's breaking your shit, especially if they're doing so in an attempt to scare you or gain control of your movements, that's domestic violence. Because how long is it? Well, first of all, how long is it going to stay? Just inanimate objects. Probably not that long because they've already escalated to physical behavior. And any physical behavior that is done in an attempt to scare you and make you feel fearful for your safety is domestic violence. So like another example of this would be like if you're in the car with your significant other and they start driving this is a really common thing. Um, <laughs> might have been something I experienced as a child with my dad. Uh, but if you are like driving really aggressively in the car to the point that your passenger is scared and genu- genuinely fearful and the driver is doing that in an attempt to terrify their passenger, like that's violence. <laughs> like anybody who is making you fear, if your significant other is making you fear for your safety, that's you're in domestic violence territory, right? Like you, if that is happening, you don't want to classify yourself as a victim of domestic violence. Of course, everybody gets to, you know, decide their classification, but it really is worth considering what is the difference between someone hitting you and someone breaking all of your shit in an attempt to terrify you. Like is is there a line between those two? I'm I'm not so sure. Um, and I'm not so sure where the line is, if there is. Okay. Deputies went to a local business in Chattanooga where Edwards is employed. Now, we're all surprised about this. <laughs> we're all surprised that Ryan has a job. <laughs> we're all very surprised. Okay. He was located there and taken into custody for the harassment warrant and the violation of the order of protection. Subsequent to the arrest, Edwards was searched and found to be in possession of drug paraphernalia and two bags of suspected narcotics. Edwards was booked into the detention center on the following existing and new charges. Harassment, that was the warrant, possession of drug paraphernalia, possession of a controlled substance. A petition to violate was filed with the Hamilton County, who will set the bond for the order of protection, um, and he got a new mugshot. So, that's bad. That's really bad. Um, look, I think everybody here knows I've always been a little softer on Mackenzie than other people are. I mean, in general, I think I just am to the people on the cast, right? I try and extend empathy because 
a podcast where you just hate everyone is just not that interesting. And obviously, I haven't been like thinking a lot about Mackenzie because she's not on TV anymore. But I always try and remember how young she was, how stupid she was, how she was clearly in a situation that was way over her head. And instead of having the maturity to stop it early on, right, she like triple downed. And it's always it really is like her most frustrating behavior as a viewer watching her triple down on shit because like stop tripling down like just leave him but she didn't she now has two children with him remember she has her son Hudson from her first marriage and then she has Jagger and Stella who I think are three and two maybe they're still little she has three little babies that she takes care of I mean Hudson I think is only six or seven like he's still little too so I don't know. I've just like always, I've always viewed her as somebody that's just like making horrible choices, but isn't necessarily a bad person. And all of this makes me incredibly sad for her. I am proud of her for getting this restraining order and for getting him arrested. And she knew this was going to make the news. Um, We'll see what happens after this. We know it takes a lot of times for domestic violence victims to leave their abuser often. I mean, they say the average is seven times. We don't know how many times she tried to leave him. Obviously, some people leave after the first incident. So I I hope that this is the end for her. Um, obviously, Ryan is a fucking mess. He and it to me, it's like it's not just that he's a drug addict. He's a bad person and he's always been a bad person and he was a bad person before he was a drug addict. He was a bad person when he was, what, 19, hooking up with a 16 year old Mackenzie and then just being an absolute deadbeat dad from the moment that baby was born. He just is he's just not a good person. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Everybody knows that that's listening to this. I don't need to apologize to any of you for that. But he sucks. He is violent. He is scary. Um, as for what drugs he's on, it obviously it didn't say. Could be heroin because we know that was his drug of choice. The paraphernalia could be a needle or it could be meth or crack or we don't know. You know, the paraphernalia could have been a pipe. I'm I'm not sure. I'm sure it will come out. Oh, gosh. The question I think that everybody has is like, what are Jen and Larry going to do about this? And of course... I have similar questions. Once again, I think I have been more empathetic towards Jen and Larry than maybe the average person is because I have seen many people bury their children with substance use disorder. And I, I've i seen firsthand how it is a terminal illness. And I have a lot of empathy for parents who are in that situation because there you can say you need to do this this and this all you want but it's so incredibly hard and most people are just not capable of doing what needs to be done also the debate on what needs to be done you know but i i'm very curious what jen and larry which we're not going to see on the fucking television the fact that all of this is happening and we're not going to see it on tv is literally infuriating to me. (laughs) Like, how dare you? How dare you, Macy Bookout, McKinney, keep me from seeing these people? Also, it's really interesting that this is coming out as Team Mom Family Reunion is like ramping up the fact that he is going to be 
communicating with Macy somehow on this show. And Macy had been giving like interviews about how he was doing better with Bentley lately, which is <laughs> yikes, yikes, yikes. I mean, I'm sure we'll see the arrests and stuff play out on the show via Macy because they're going to talk about it or I would assume they're going to talk about it. But I definitely am like, what what are the next steps with the show? Because to me, it's we got to get Mackenzie, Jen, and Larry on because I need I need to see this. Also, pay Mackenzie; she's going fucking through it. Get her a team mom check. Okay, so I I think Jen and Larry may not act the way that people expect them to act. Do I think they will be cutting off Ryan? Probably not. I I would be very surprised. But here's the thing, and I talked about this back when. Macy essentially was like, you need to choose between Bentley and Ryan. And they basically, they chose Ryan. And I speculated, I think a big part of that, it wasn't necessarily about choosing Ryan. It was about Ryan and his three other kids. You know, like Jen is very close, I'm assuming, with Hudson, Jagger, and Stella. And if she cuts Ryan off, then she's not going to get access to Hudson, Jagger, and Stella. And I can see, I don't know how, like, con- like how consciously she would be making this choice, but I can kind of understand a situation in which it's like, you need to either choose Bentley or you need to choose Ryan. And Bentley is, at that point, what, an 11 or 12-year-old kid who isn't really that interested in hanging out with them anyway. He's super busy. They see him once a month at most. Like, they just have a more normal grandparent-grandchild relationship with him versus three little kids who Jen probably spends quite a lot of time with. And I don't know. I I don't necessarily blame someone for choosing the access to the three little kids over the access to the teen. I want to be clear, like, even saying that makes my heart hurt so bad for Bentley. Um, It's really sad. But I also can understand when you are in that position kind of weighing, like, weighing their options. And I'm not saying they made the right choice. I'm saying I think it's an understandable choice. So that all that to say, if Mackenzie is now the one that controls the access to these children, I wonder if they will cooperate and like not having Ryan around and they will keep access to the kids via Mackenzie. And I kind of think if it's Mackenzie and the kids versus Ryan and they have to choose that, I think they would choose Mackenzie and the kids. I I kind of think they would. Now, I don't, all that to say, like, I don't think they'll be totally cutting off Ryan. They may even let him come fucking live in their house. But I think that they will be a lot more willing to, like, follow rules than they were with Macy and Bentley in regards to Ryan. Um, I think that they will be a lot more accommodating to Mackenzie than they were to Macy and Bentley. And I, I really think it's, like, the age of the kids because... Macy didn't like Ryan didn't put them in a position to choose between Bentley and him until Bentley was pretty old right like he was already almost a teen at that point but we're talking about babies on the other hand like under five and I I don't know I wouldn't be shocked to see them take 
I'm using air quotes, right? Like take Mackenzie's side here. Um, that might be wishful thinking. And I know everybody is like, yeah, fucking right. They're going to enable him, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. I don't think it's so black and white. And I also think that like there is there's a real chance that they could do the right thing here. I don't think they'll be like doing exactly the way that I think they should be doing it, which is like fucking cutting off Ryan and letting him deal with his own consequences. I highly doubt that's going to be the case. But I definitely hope that they put the interests of their grandchildren and Mackenzie, the victim of domestic violence at the hands of their son, ahead of the needs of Ryan. I really do hope that. And I, I kind of think there's a chance that they will. But will we ever know that? Probably not because it's not going to be on this fucking show. That's so fucking annoying to me. (laughs) Oh, that is so annoying. Either way, I am glad Mackenzie left. I'm glad Mackenzie did what she had to do. I hope that this is a final chapter for her in regards to her marriage with Ryan. I hope that she moves forward with the divorce. Um, I hope that she, I am assuming she's going to be getting, if not full custody of those kids, primary legal custody of those kids because he is now you know, has repeated, like, repeated drug arrests. This this is, what, his third arrest or drugs? Because wasn't the first one that we found out about, wasn't he actually on probation when that happened? So there had been, like, a whole arrest that we didn't know about. Isn't that what happened? I think that this is his third run-in with law enforcement in regards to drugs. So, Ryan is going to have to pass drug tests. He's probably going to have supervised visits. I I mean, he's, he never once went to court for Bentley, and we'll see if he ever goes to court for these kids. I just really hope that Mackenzie can stick to her guns and stay away from him. And I, in this case, I'm rooting for Mackenzie. I don't, this is not me being like, and I love Mackenzie Edwards because that is not the case, but she's still so fucking young. <laughs> I want everybody to remember she's nine years younger than me. (laughs) I looked it up. She was born in 1997. She is young. She's, that makes her, what, 26 this year? Like, she is really young. And first of all, being a single mom of three kids at 26 is, I do not envy that position. But she still has time to create a good life for herself If she wants to, and I hope that she does the work to create that life for her and her kids. Okay, uh, we're going to take a real quick break and then we will be back to chat about some other stuff. Oh, the other big thing we have to talk about is Kale's baby. What's going on with Kale's baby, you may ask? Okay. Here's my here's my thought process in regards to this baby. Throughout this pregnancy with the pictures, I was like, look, you can go listen to all my fucking episodes in which I said I am agnostic to this. I'm not so sure that I believe that Kale is pregnant, but I would never say that Kale is not pregnant. Does she look pregnant in some of these pictures? Yeah. Does she not look pregnant in some of these other pictures? Yeah. Is it very possible she's pregnant? Yeah. Then remember all that stuff came out with like the baby cooing and the car seat and all of that shit. And I put out an episode where I was like, I'm 99.9% sure Kale had a baby. 
okay, so what's happened since then? Nothing really. And then like a couple weeks after that, I was like, am I sure that she had a baby? (laughs) Why is she still hiding the baby? I really was like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Am I going crazy? Uh, But I was like, I still really, I really think she did. Occasionally there'd be like a bottle in the background. I was like, I still think she did, but it is weird that she's not showing this baby still. And then this week, Kale and Chris are fighting again over God knows what. I could not keep up with the two of them. And Chris basically posted this long comment in which she was like, included in it was like, you have an infant to take care of or a newborn to take care of. So everyone was like, it's been confirmed. And then the son started writing articles on it, saying that she had this baby on, I think, November 22nd, and that it was confirmed by sources. But once again, like, I just want to remind people that when tabloids confirm thing with so- confirm things with sources that you've already seen going around online. <laughs> The sources is usually the people online talking about it. So the close source to Kale for the son, I'm pretty sure is Chris leaving that Instagram comment. Like, I don't think they've gotten any exclusive information. However, they are claiming that this baby is named Elijah Rio, which, I mean, I guess would make sense. Elijah is his dad. I'd be kind of surprised if Kale gave a baby his dad's name like that, but I and apparently they're calling him Rio because we know Kale loves to use the middle names. And if that is the case, okay. Like, <laughs> I actually think Elijah Rio is a super cute name. I think Rio is a really cute name. I think it fix, fits in with the Lux creed of it all. Like, I'm all for it. I know enrages people when Kale uses their middle names and their first names interchangeably. And it's not something I've ever related to or understood the anger around it. I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. Like, (laughs) who cares? I don't know. I think it's because I'm someone who has a nickname and a full name that like it, I use, I can use those two names interchangeably. It, 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 I don't know. I don't know why it just like fucking enrages people in a way I truly cannot understand. But yes, the sun is saying there is a baby, Elijah Rio. I'm saying I believe there's a baby there. I do. I could even believe this child's name is Elijah Rio and that it was born on November 22nd. But until Kale herself posts a fucking picture on her Instagram or is in a fucking People magazine spread posting the picture of the five kids together and she says, why I hid my baby from the world, you know, or like quoting Drake, like I didn't hide my baby from the world. I hid the world for my baby, whatever that fucking line is. Like, it's going to be like that. Uh, Until that happens, I just don't think there's much to talk about. Like, okay, Chris revealed the newborn. He confirmed it. Okay. But also, not for nothing, like, Chris is a fucking troll. Like, he's an abusive troll. And I would believe that he would just post that to fuck with people. Like, if if you told me that Chris was actually only posting that to make life's Kale's life harder and he knew there was no baby, I would believe that. That sounds believable to me. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping that in the next, like, week she's going to announce it. Like, just announce it, Kale. What are you waiting for? It's very weird. There was a blind item going around, which I hope everybody knows how I feel about Crazy Day and Night's. 
blind items in regards to Teen Mom. They're always bullshit. Or at least they've always been bullshit for the last, like, seven years. And they're always just based on random shit online. And it was like, this Teen Mom is hiding an entire baby because she doesn't want people to know that she was a homewrecker and the baby's dad was married when they got together. And everyone's like, yes, confirmed it. Because I think NT, you know, the runner of Crazy Days and Nights, like, did the reveal with Kale. It's not fucking accurate. (laughs) It's driving me insane. It keeps getting posted. But Elijah, so I don't know how much we've talked about Elijah, but Elijah she met because I believe he was her neighbor. He's younger than her. I think he's 25-ish. She's five or six years younger than her. He was married. He was in the military, but he was divorced for a full year before he met Kale. He had a girlfriend that was not his wife before he met Kale. So why would she care if he had still been married first? Second, why would Kale care about that in the public? What? Since when? Since when would that be something that Kale, of all people, would care about? Then I've seen some other speculation. Maybe she's hiding it because she was cheating on Malik with Elijah and she doesn't want people to know that. Now, I bet most of you are going, who the fuck is Malik? Because Kale was like with this guy on and off for, I think, a couple of years, basically, like post-Creed, pre-Elijah, post-Creed being born, pre-Elijah. And I think she'd been friends with him for a little while, too. And they had hooked up like a couple of times. I think she was hooking up with him when she was pregnant with Lux, if I remember correctly. But they were dating for a little while. She had him on her podcast, I think, shortly after they broke up. And people are like, well, she doesn't want people to know that she cheated on Malik. Girl, she doesn't give a fuck. Kale Lowry? Kalen? Our Kalen? She doesn't give a fuck. And also, most people don't know who the fuck Malik is because he was never on Teen Mom or on her Instagram. And if you don't listen to her fucking podcast, you wouldn't even know who he was. She doesn't give a fuck about that. My best guess as to why Kale is hiding this pregnancy. I don't know. I've seen people be like, she wants people to think that she's more important than she is. And she, that means that she was like thinking she's Kylie Jenner by hiding her pregnancy and blah, 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 blah. Eh, I don't think it's that. Um, My best guess is she maybe didn't know who the dad was because she might have been messing around with Malik and Elijah and whoever else. And I really don't say that in a slut-shaming way because I really, I really don't care. And I actually think of all the teen moms. I don't think Kale has slept with that many people. I think Kale's a relationship girly. And I think that she like gets into these relationships, no matter how toxic they are, like very quickly. And those are the guys that she sleeps with. Like, I don't think Kale sleep even, but if she make, let me make myself clear. If she did sleep around, I truly don't give a fuck. There have been times in my life that if I got pregnant, oof, We would not know who that baby daddy was. I mean, there were times in my life it could have been multiple people or a person whose name I never knew. So who the fuck would I be to judge that? Mm -mm -mm, Not on my watch. We're not we're not judging Kale for having sex with people. But I wouldn't be shocked if maybe she wasn't 100 percent sure. You can, I believe, get DNA tests now, like in utero. You used to have to do like, I don't know, that thing that was like an amniotic 
amniomic. I don't know how to say that word. Fluid tests or whatever. And it was like kind of dangerous. But now I'm pretty sure they can tell through your blood. So maybe at first she wasn't sure and wanted to wait until that was confirmed. Um, That I could believe. I honestly think that she just like doesn't want to talk about it. And it's probably been extremely refreshing for her that she got to be pregnant and have a baby without commentary from everybody around, like, on the internet. I mean, yes, eventually people found out, of course, but this has probably been pretty nice for her that she's been able to keep this offline for the most part. I can't really say I blame her. Um, Do I think she's embarrassed that she now has four baby dads? Like, yeah, I, I do. I don't think Kale experiences shame the way that other people do. Um, I don't think any of the team moms do. It's why they're on reality TV, because if you experience shame, you don't go on reality TV. <laughs> like That's that's not what you do, right? Like, if you experience shame, you do everything you can to, like, not let people know you're fucking up. So I don't think Kale, like, moves through the world like that. But I do think... It's like she maybe has realized how much easier her life is, like not having to constantly explain it and defend herself about it. I think eventually she'll share. I don't know. Maybe the baby has some health issues and she just like isn't ready to put all of that online. Maybe she was having a pregnancy with a lot of complications. So she didn't want to share. And then by the time she had the healthy baby, she realized how much she liked keeping it private And I know Kale doesn't keep most things private, but maybe she does like being able to keep this one thing private. And I wouldn't blame her for it. So that's that's the word in Kale's baby news. I don't know. I kind of don't want to talk about it again until she herself confirms it. But obviously, like, if it keeps coming up this way, we're going to keep talking about it. Okay, let's get to recapping, which I realized at the beginning of the episode, I did not say what episodes we were going to be recapping, um, but I went back into what on Paramount Plus is called Season 5, Episode 18. I think it's 5B, Episode 1, because if you look at Season 5 on Paramount Plus, it's all of those, of Team Amoji, it's all of those episodes, and then the two reunion specials are like 16 and 17 or whatever. And then 18 is the first, I don't know if it's the first one, but it's like 16, 17. And then it's a new season basically, uh, post those reunion episodes. So we're in a B segment and I really wish that like the streamers could figure out these A and B seasons because it's very confusing, but I decided to recap these because I wanted to see Adam and Matt, Adam and Matt, Amber and Matt, but I will say We got pretty lucky because it was also a good Ryan episode. Like, some good stuff is happening. Not good stuff, but, like, relevant stuff is happening. So I watched episode 18 and 19. Um, Okay. there's These were really good episodes, I want to say. I just want to... I want to start with that because they were really enjoyable to me. I really, like, felt for the cast in a lot of these. I think that this was kind of like the perfect time where they're really like getting very successful with Teen Mom because OG is back. That B season check was probably pretty nice, but they're still willing to like put themselves out on camera in a way that I don't think they necessarily still are. And that's the thing. I think people are like, they're too rich, so it's not relatable. 
I don't think it's that. I think that they just are not willing to put stuff on TV anymore because they're in their 30s. Like, <laughs> because at 22, you're a lot more willing to let MTV show your mess. And at 32, you're like, uh-uh-uh, I'm not sharing about this on TV. Which makes total sense, right? And it's why the show doesn't work anymore. But let's start with, let's start with Macy, since we're already talking about Ryan. So, it's a Benny birthday episode, of course, because what's a show, what is a season of Teen Mom if we're not at Bentley's birthday? This is when he's seven, and the first episode, nothing really happens. They are in this place where, like, they're starting to get along better with Ryan. Ryan is broken up with Shelby, who Macy talks about Shelby like she was the devil. She's like, Shelby did not let Ryan come around. When we would be at a place and Shelby was there, she would make Ryan sit in the corner with him. And I'm like, okay. I wonder what Shelby has to say about that because I'm not so sure I believe that as accurate. Uh, But I think he meets Mackenzie towards the end of this season because, I mean, they've been together for a while now, five or six years, right? So, he meets her, I think, around, like, 2017. Yeah. Was I still in Florida when he got that Driving High episode? I can't quite remember, but I think I might have been. So, it's been a while. They decide to have, like, a bowling birthday party, but beforehand, (laughs) they're dropping off Bentley. Macy, she has little Jade. Jade is, like, seven months old here which means Macy's like six months pregnant in this scene, but they haven't found out yet. Uh, Jade, she's dropping off Jade with Jen. Excuse me. She's dropping off Bentley with Jen. Ryan is there and Macy's like, "Ah, we're going to a family wedding. You know, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I really don't want to bring her. It's just hard to bring her. And Ryan's like, so don't bring her. And Macy's like, well, what am I, who am I supposed to leave her with? And Jenna's like, we'll watch her. <laughs> it's so funny when she leaves, Ben Ryan like totally calls it out. He's like, oh my God, why didn't she, she so wanted you to watch that baby? And Jen's like, I don't mind. I volunteered. <laughs> they have Bentley's birthday party. There is a scene in which Bentley's like, you know, kissing on his sister and Ryan is like, when your sister's friends are older, are you going to try and get with them? And Macy's like, no. And he's like, yeah, but like when they're older and they're going to be like 18 and Bentley's going to be seven years older than them. You fucking creep. It was such a, oh, it was so weird. There's a significant age difference between Bentley and Jade. Like significant. Ugh, Ryan is such a weird creep. So in the second episode, it's the famous Halloween episode in which, you know, Ryan shows up hours late with that sugar skull fully painted on himself. Uh, Watching Bentley and Ryan interact here is pretty tough. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's so obvious that Ryan has absolutely no father role in Bentley's life. They like are throwing pumpkin seeds at each other. And Bentley's like, I don't want to get my clothes dirty. And Ryan's like, stop, stop being such a little girl. Ugh. Ugh. 
they decide they're all going to go trick-or-treating together. And so Taylor, Macy, and Jade show up at Jen and Larry's and Ryan is not there. And But it's nighttime and it's dark and it's time for Bentley to go trick-or-treating. And kids want to go trick-or-treating as soon as the fucking sun goes down. They're not waiting until 7 or 8 o'clock, right? They want to be out there. And so they're like, well, I guess we're just not going to wait for him. Um, Macy's like, where's Ryan? And she's like, "I." he said he was at the Halloween store, but that was like hours beforehand and he wouldn't respond to anybody's texts. He didn't send anybody a text asking where, like saying where he was. And it's just so typical Ryan, right? Like, I don't know. It's so hard for me to comprehend being that shitty to other people around me, like not valuing their time so much that you just like straight up don't respond to texts to tell them where you are give them a quick call like hey I know I'm gonna be like an hour late please 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 wait for me like it's so nuts Jen is pissed she's really pissed Macy's just like what the fuck ever she knows that he's not gonna show up she and Taylor actually have a funny conversation in which she's like where the fuck is he Like, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Where could he be? He doesn't have other kids. And Taylor's like, maybe he does. You don't know. And Macy goes, if he has another family, I hope he's doing a hell of a lot better with them than he is with this one. (laughs) And of course, Ryan famously comes into the house in his full makeup and is like, did I miss it? And everyone's like, yeah. And he's like, Bentley, why didn't you wait for me? Why didn't you wait for me, Bentley? And he keeps trying to talk shit on Macy. And it's actually interesting. Larry is really standing up for Macy here because Ryan's like, oh, so you guys just like rushed out? And Larry's like, no, we went at a normal time. And Ryan's like, so you just speed race through the neighborhood so you could get it done as quickly as possible? And Larry's like, no, we walked at a normal pace. Like he keeps shutting Ryan down. Ryan is like, mad at his mom like well why didn't you guys wait for me Macy was making you go and Jen's like he's like I told you I was at the Halloween store and Jen's like and then I never heard back from you he's like well I couldn't text I was getting my makeup done (laughs) he's such a dick he's such a bad dad he watching these like it was just such a reminder, you know, of like how awful he is because he's like, Bentley, do you want to go back out? And Bentley's like, no, I'm done. And Ryan goes, oh, I got shafted again. And Larry's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) It just shows how entitled he is. He's also high as fuck in these episodes. I remember this is back when everybody was like, he's not high. He has a TBI from his car accident. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Maybe he did, but he's high as fuck. He's not, he's like basically nodding out in some of these scenes. Oh, poor, poor Bentley. Okay, let's talk about Farah, who it's fun to watch Farah. I'm having fun watching Farah in these throwbacks. So she is going to do Big Brother UK, which she famously had a freak out on, of course. And the plan is that Michael is going to watch Sophia and Deb is coming in to visit for a little bit of time before Farrah leaves. But Farrah does not want Deb there. She just wants it to be Michael. And Deb and Farrah are talking and Deb kind of lets it slip that like she's going to be staying there when Farrah is gone. And Farrah's like, what the fuck? And Michael's like, look, I it's going to be really hard for me. I need the help of your grandma or of your mom. 
And Ferris says something that I found to be really sad and interesting. Because she's like kind of yelling at Michael and she's like, am I going to have to hire a babysitter here so that my daughter feels confident and happy all of the time? That, that was tough. Because Sophia's like six in these scenes. The fact that Farah is so concerned with the way that Deb is going to treat Sophia is it's just really sad because she clearly clearly thinks that having Deb in the house with Sophia for that long is going to hurt Sophia's confidence and I think it's because like she's basically being like my mom fucked with me my whole childhood and I don't want that to happen to Sophia just such interesting wording and this time is I also think very interesting to watch Farah because she has gone you know she's dipped her toe in the deep end but she hasn't gone totally off she hasn't gone totally in the deep end that doesn't make sense but she hasn't totally lost it the way that she has now so she's still pretty understandable she makes sense a lot of the time she has that awful voice and that awful like tone of speaking to people but she does make sense so it's sad to watch it's sad to think that like she just gets so much worse from here because her behavior in these scenes is really off-putting. But ugh, I don't know. And Michael's so weird and Deb is so weird. And I love watching them all interact. So Deb comes and Farrah decides to bring in the therapist, which I thought was a interesting choice. I love that Farrah's always been like, she loves therapy. <laughs> I don't know if it helps. I don't know if it helps her, but I always do think it's funny, like, how much she loves therapy. So, basically, the therapist comes in and Farah is like, I just feel like this is being done behind my back. And the therapist is like, well, do you not want them to be a unit? And Deb is like, no, she doesn't. And Farah is like, I just don't like that people are, like, planning things behind my back. And I'm not going to be here and I'm not going to have control. And here, okay. I think the therapist, watching this in a vacuum, I think the therapist did a good job. Watching this in the context of everything that we know about this family, I don't know if I would say that. I think that, like, I didn't I didn't love the, some of the stuff the therapist was saying. But once again, like, the therapist was called in to mediate this specific situation. And I think that she did a pretty good job in this specific situation because she says to Farah, you know, part of leaving your daughter for an extended period of time is accepting that like you have to give up some of this control which is true it's really true and then she's like the therapist says well I think that you do trust your parents like on some level you trust your parents so you should like lean into that trust and let them be here together and basically talks her into agreeing to let Deb stay but I think the reason the fair therapist that the therapist is doing that is because I think that Farah she knows that Farah called her in to like give her a solution and I do think in most therapy sessions it would be more of letting Farah figure out what she wanted right I think this was pretty therapist-led but I also think that's 
I think the therapist could tell that's what Farrah wanted. Like, Farrah wanted somebody to, like, give her permission to let Deb stay there. And I think the therapist gave that to her. And I think that if Farrah didn't want that, she wouldn't have called in the therapist. She just would have been like, no, go fuck yourself, Deb. Get out of here. And I think the therapist knew that, which is why she was, like, guiding her to a place where Farrah would be comfortable with Deb staying. So, like I said, I mean, I don't love it because she's like, I think you do trust them somewhere. And they love you so much. They just love you so much. And I'm like, do they? <laughs> I'm not sure that's an accurate statement. You know, I'm I'm just not sure. She's like, they're forfeiting jobs to help you. And I'm like, what? And then I remember this is at the point in time, like, post-Deb getting catfish. So she, like, was like, moving all around and taking all of these different jobs and like quitting her jobs to move to Texas and just like putting all of this pressure on Farah to support her in a way that was super, super unhealthy. So she goes to Big Brother UK and there are a couple funny moments. At one point she FaceTimes Deb and she goes, you know, mom, I've been getting some invoices and it's really interesting. Have you been using a lot of water? And Deborah's like, well, no, no. And Farrah goes, well, the, the water bill's $400 when it's usually $100. And Deb is like, oh, well, you know, the sprinklers broke one day. Farrah's pissed. She does a pretty good job of folding it together. Uh, Farrah, while she's away, decides that she wants to live in L.A., but wants to make sure it's okay with Sophia, who is... I... It's kind of shocking how immature Sophia is in these scenes. And I don't mean that as a knock on Sophia, obviously. But it's like the the world her mother had her living in and the way that her mother and grandparents treated her. Especially when you watch her compared to Leah and Bentley in these episodes. I think that they are like six or eight months older both of them than Farrah or than Sophia I think they're I mean not now but as children that is you know like a significant age difference developmentally but Sophia acts like a three-year-old in these episodes it's really hard to watch honestly in some ways because it just makes me upset to know that like she does not get the help that she needs. Farrah has her right now doing like therapy sessions online to talk about Sophia's depression. Oh my god. It's such a nightmare. I don't look too much at it because it like kind of makes me feel sick to my stomach when I see Sophia doing anything online. It oh, just makes me it makes me feel real sick. I don't like it. But she's like, hi, hi baby goo, or whatever she calls Sophia. And she's like do you want to live in LA? Do you want me? Do you want to move with mommy to California? <laughs> like what the fuck? What a bizarre conversation to have with your very immature six-year-old. Like so weird. She's like, yeah, can we go to the beach, mommy? And Farrah's like, yeah. So Sophia's like, okay. And Farrah's like, I'm so happy that Sophia wants to move to LA. I'm like, I don't think Sophia has a concept of moving. Honestly, like, she acts. I when My youngest niece will be four in May. And she acts and communicates kind of like, I think that my niece communicates better than Sophia does at this point in time. 
And Sophia is almost seven in these, I think. So I, I don't know, man. It's like in retrospect, I don't remember being like this bad when I watched it originally or feeling this way, but it's really, it's hard to watch. She, I think at times still had a pacifier. I'm pretty sure I saw a pacifier near her mouth. She is, she only talks in baby voice. She yells out and like, like you'll ask her something and she'll be like, no, like that's how she answers questions. It's just, like I said, obviously none of this is Sophia's fault at all. And all things considered, she seems to have aged developmentally appropriately based on what I've seen online. Like her mom is exposing her to way too much stuff and it's not healthy, but like, I don't. I think she's like a normal 13-year-old now, you know, normal in quotes, but these these episodes, they're tough they're tough to watch. Um like Fair comes home and when Fair and Deb hug, Sophia screams, "She doesn't like you." <laughs> I don't know which one she was talking about. I think it applies to both. Neither one of them like each other. And then there's a really bizarre scene in which they all go out for food and they're talking about school because Sophia started, I think, first grade while Farrah is away. And I guess they let Sophia wear makeup to school and the teacher said something to Sophia and Sophia came home and said something to Deb. So Deb called the teacher and the teacher is like, well, we don't let the kids wear makeup. And Deb told the teacher, this is how we... Uh, She said, excuse me, but we have a different situation in our life. And if our little girl wants to wear makeup, she can. (laughs) Okay. First of all, (laughs) what a bizarre fucking answer. We have a different situation. (laughs) Farah is like, um, okay, so what, what's the difference between clothes and makeup? Farrah and Deb are, like, hyped up on this. They are fully on the same side. You can see that Farrah is Deb's daughter in this scene. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I don't... I understand if a school has a rule that first graders cannot wear makeup. I also don't love the idea of first graders wearing makeup. I also am trying to stop looking at makeup as, like inherently I don't know something that it's not so like if a first grader has on like some fun eyeshadow and lipstick I don't want to be like she's too young for that like I don't know I'm trying to change that mind frame but it's it's hard I I don't think first graders should be wearing makeup to school I don't have a good answer as to why which is why I'm trying to like you know step back from it and think about this more throughout my day-to-day life when things like this come up where I'm just like, no, a child shouldn't do that. But I don't really have an answer why. Um, But I just, I don't, I don't love children in makeup and I don't love the idea of sending children to school in makeup. (laughs) And I think it's reasonable if a school doesn't want that. And I love Deb telling the teacher that our family has a different situation. (laughs) Oh gosh. Uh, and at this point, Farrah announces that she's going to leave Texas and move to L.A., which Deb is thrilled about, but Michael is upset about because Michael lives in Texas. Okay, let's talk about Kate, who... If this was your only exposure to Kate, I don't think you would think very highly of her. 
she is not in a good place. And she is spending these episodes just like gnawing at her fingers, which I really don't notice her doing. I feel like every comment about her on Reddit is about her like chewing on her fingers. And it's not something I notice often, but it's really pronounced in these scenes. And I I only say that because like this whole, these whole two episodes are about how bad her anxiety is and how bad her mental health is. And I, I think it's very clear from the way she's behaving that that is true. So they had just had their wedding and they're kind of on that wedding come down. And she's like, I'm just adjusting to life after the wedding. But if you'll remember, she was also really depressed during the wedding. I know I didn't cover that on a recent episode, but like there was talk of her laying around a lot during the wedding planning and sleeping a lot. And she just, she's going through it. Nova's like six months old at this point, I think. And Kim and Butch come over and they're like, where's Nova? And they're like, oh, she's at April's. And Kim's like, I've been here like seven times in the last however many days. And Nova's only been here like once or twice. She's like, why is she going to April so much? And Tyler's like, well, you know, we just like, we need a break. And Kim is like, a break from what? (laughs) It's not an unreasonable question, right? It's not an unreasonable question. So she kind of starts going in on Tyler because she's like, you need to figure out what you want to do. You need a job. You need to go to school. And this is where Tyler is like, I want to tell stories. I want to write. And she's like, there you go. You don't need a degree to write a book. And like, okay, let's talk about this. You do not need a degree to write a book. Some people are naturally extremely gifted writers. There are people that write books when they're 15 that are incredible. There are people that have no former, you know, they have a college degree in engineering and then they end up being amazing writers. Like, I'm not saying that you need a degree to be a writer. But I've talked about this with Tyler before, right? And I I've, I talk about it a lot with his poetry, is that I think writing is an art for sure. But it also is a technical skill in which people train and they study and they learn how to develop their technical skill so that their creativity flows in a better way, right? And this is the case for most art. It's why people go to art school. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you do not have to go to art school to be a successful artist. You do not. But most people create better stuff when they have been trained in it. And it's like poetry, where Tyler will just like post this stuff and be like, I'm a poet. And it's like, poetry is a real skill. Like, you need to read poetry. If you want to be a poet, for the most part, you need to read other people's poems. You need to study their works. You need to understand sentence structure and other shit that I don't know about, which is why I'm not a fucking poet. And I'm honestly, I'm not really a poetry fan. It's just my truth, right? It's a real, it's a skill. And I feel the same way about writing and Ryan and Tyler just being like, I guess I'll just write and can be like, yes, no degree needed. But no, like Tyler, go to community college and take some creative writing classes if that's what you want to do. Take an English lit class so you can learn about symbolism. Like, go fucking read The Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. I cannot speak. Great Gatsby. And let a teacher explain to you what the green light means. You know, (laughs) like, because I don't think you paid much attention to that shit in high school. And 
to be a good writer, in my opinion, you have to be a reader. And I know some people push back against that, whatever. I stand by that. If you want to be a writer, you have to read. And I don't think Tyler reads. I like I don't I don't think he reads. And I on I am not one of those people that's like, oh my God, you don't read. You're not a reader. Like I truly could give a fuck if people read or not. I read, but like trash. Like what I'm reading, like trust me, what I'm reading does not make me better than somebody who does not read, right? Like I I like reread the same books, I re-listen to the same books, I listen to just like suspense. Like I'm not I'm not consuming content that's making me a better person. And there are plenty of people who just don't enjoy reading and that is truly fine for them. But if you want to be someone who produces books, who writes novels or memoirs or whatever, you got to read. You have to. And really, if you really want to do it, you should go take some classes to learn some technical skills with writing because most people just are not naturally that talented, right? They need a professor or teacher or a mentor or someone to point out like, hey, you're telling too much here. You should like, you should show us more and not tell us so much. Like, hey, when you write like this, it doesn't make any fucking sense. You need to write in this voice. Like, there's so much stuff that can be learned. And so I kind of hate when people are just like, I'm just going to do this creative thing and it's going to be my career. Now, if you just want to write because it makes you happy, fucking write. If you want to paint because it makes you happy, fucking paint. That's amazing. That's incredible. If Tyler just wants to like post little poems on his Instagram, fucking go for it, right? If Tyler wants to write a little book because he wants to write a book and it'll make him feel good, that's amazing. Go do the artist's way. You know what I mean? I'm fucking all for it. Write your pages for sure. But if you want this to be your career and you want it to be your craft, like I believe in training and I believe in education. And I think that people like Tyler who have had success without having to do much work for it. And you guys know that I fully believe Teen Mom is a job. I think people who are on Teen Mom should get more money. I hate when people are like, well, what's their job? I'm like, their job is Teen Mom. They make a million dollars a year. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I really don't care if Tyler doesn't want to go to school or Caitlin doesn't want to go to school. I don't care if they don't want to have regular jobs. I really, I wouldn't either if I was in their position. But like, if you do want to be a professional writer, go to college. You can do it. You can pay for it. You can learn so much. Oh, gosh. Okay, so it's another scene and Kim and Tyler are going out for lunch, just the two of them. And this is kind of the start of these, like, uh, Kim talking shit behind Caitlin's back meetings that happen. Well, I mean, I guess they've been happening, honestly, since the very beginning. But to me, this is, like, them happening in the new era because it was like when Caitlin lived in Kim's house but now Kim is kind of starting to meddle which I don't know I don't really necessarily think is a huge deal but also if I was Caitlin I think I'd be kind of hurt to see these conversations but also I think Caitlin understands that like they're on a TV show and they they talk about people behind their backs that's how TV shows work so Kim is like do you think Caitlin has postpartum depression and Tyler's like no no and Kim's like so why is the baby always at April's? And he's like, well, you know, I don't know. Like, I've questioned her why the baby has to go. And she says that she needs a break. 
And Kim is like, look, I'm really worried. I, I think you as a husband need to be considering that she has postpartum depression. Here's my problem with this conversation. It's all about Caitlin. What's wrong with Caitlin? Why is Caitlin sending the baby to April's? If I was Kim, I would have sat down. I would have asked. I think it's totally appropriate for the, the initial comments to be like, do you think Kate has postpartum? I think it, that she cares very much. Obviously, she loves Tyler. And I she cares for Caitlin a lot. She loves Kate, right? Like, she's known Kate almost Kate's whole life. Like, I think she really does care for them and wants the best. I don't think she's always, like, has the most tact in discussing Kate. But I believe that to be true. So I think that makes sense. But there is no, like, Kim is not pressing Tyler at all on what he's doing. Like, in my opinion, Kim should have, once he was like, no, she doesn't have postpartum, I would have said, okay, so why is the baby going to April's multiple times a week? Why is she, why does that need to happen? Neither of you are working outside of the home. And if he said, well, Kate just says she needs a break, I would say, well, what about you? There are two parents in this house. What about you? Why, why does Kate feel that the baby has to go to April's to get a break? Because Kim doesn't ask that at all. (laughs) Because that's my first thought, right? Like, why does Caitlin feel like the baby has to be sent away for her to get a break? Because there's a father that is quite capable living in that home. And so, and I also think that's an important question. Like, are, beyond the fact, like, is Tyler helping Is Kate, like, in a space where she feels like she needs to be physically separated from that baby multiple times a week? Because that's concerning. Well, let me be careful with my words. I actually don't think that necessarily has to be concerning. I think in Caitlin's situation, there is a reason to be concerned because they've known Kate has struggled with depression. And I don't want to say that, like, if you are a new mother and you have to be, like, you, you need, like, the baby has to be out of the house for you to relax. I I don't think that's a problem. I'm talking specifically about Caitlin and Tyler. And if I was Kim, the way that I would be viewing it. But like, I immediately would be like, so what are you doing? Are you helping? Why? Like, why did, why does she feel that way? And if Tyler's like, well, I don't know. She says that like, she can't get a break if the baby's here. I'd say, okay, so why don't you stay up with the baby? Why don't you and the baby sleep in a different room so that Caitlin can sleep through the night? Like, Kim is all like, so what's going on with Caitlin? Why is Caitlin doing this? Why is Caitlin doing this? Why is Caitlin doing this? And Tyler doesn't have answers. So I don't know why she's not pressing harder. Like, so what are you doing? What are you doing about this? Tyler does take it in, though, that he needs to be a little more concerned about Caitlin. I think that he had been feeling it. And I think that Kim really bringing it up helped. Um, Once again, Tyler and Kim don't have the most tact because Tyler comes home. And he's like, so I saw mom and she wants to know why the baby's never around. And Kate is immediately defensive. And this is what I mean by like, Kate is being not like she, this is just not a good look for her. She is so defensive. It's so clear she's going through it and and can't, won't, whatever, admit to it. And right away she's like, well, everyone can have their opinion about how they raise their kids Like, and I can raise my kids the way that I want. I don't care about their opinions. And Tyler's like, well, do you think, like, maybe you possibly could have postpartum depression? And Kate says, this is just ridiculous. No, I definitely don't have postpartum depression. I would know if I had postpartum 
depression. I struggle with depression. I'm on antidepressants. I don't have it. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) oh, poor Caitlin. Oh, gosh, it's so hard to watch. It's so sad because she's fucking struggling. And I will say watching this makes me feel even prouder of her today because like this is not the way a conversation like this would ever go today. Ever. They're just in such a better place when it comes to their mental health and like having the tools to treat their mental health. Because I think that Tyler, if I I think if Tyler came to her at this point and was like, hey, I'm really worried about you. I think that you may have postpartum. I think Kate would be a lot more willing to listen now. And I think she'd be like, yeah, I think so too. And I think Kate is like way more in touch with her emotions and her feelings. And I think that she's still really spinning at this point. And she's on antidepressants, but has done no trauma work. She's done very little counseling. Like I, oh, this poor girl, she's just going through it. Tyler's like, okay, but will you come to our counseling session? Like, will you come to a counseling session with me? Because, you know, I just like, I'm a little concerned and I, I want to see someone. And Kate's like, okay, but I just don't think that's serious. They go to see their therapist Kathleen they're they're joined therapist (laughs) which I'm like oh you each need your own therapist also this is from the woman if you'll remember who looks like Matt Bear in a wig (laughs) and they go to see her and right away Tyler's like well my mom's concerned my mom's concerned because she thinks Kate's asking April too much and Kate's like I'm not Kate is so defensive oh poor Kate And the therapist is like, okay, so why are you asking April to take the baby so often? And Kate's like, because I'm the one who wakes up in the middle of the night and I'm up at seven with a baby and I just need a break. Uh, Tyler, what are you doing, babe? And the fact that Tyler here is not like, oh my God, yeah, I don't get up with the baby in the middle of the night. He just is vaguely like, well, I'll help more. I'll help more. And Kate just keeps going, this is normal. This is normal. This is normal to do. And the therapist goes, well, it can be normal to have the baby go over there two nights a week, but it can also mean something else is going on. And Kate's like, nope, 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 nope. And so they leave the therapy session without having really settled anything. They're getting ready for their honeymoon. They're going to Hawaii for a full week. And obviously April's going to have this baby. Now, Let's talk about this. It is always jarring the amount that Kate has always let April be around these kids unsupervised. It is really wild to me that she was willing to leave her infant child with April so much. It is, it does not speak the best towards her or Tyler's judgment. Oh, she, Caitlin and Tyler are talking about how she needs to get her meds refilled. And Caitlin's like, I'm just going to be on this the rest of my life. And Tyler's like, stop saying that. Stop saying that. We know Tyler's always been kind of anti-medication. And Caitlin's like, well, you know, I just are. And then Tyler, he's like, well, I don't want you to have an anxiety attack in Hawaii. And she's like, what? And he's like, I just, I don't want that to happen. I don't want you. And like starts going in on her about how he doesn't want her to have an anxiety attack. And she's like, Well, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm starting to get anxious. (laughs) Poor, poor, poor Kate. So Kate decides to go see the therapist before she leaves. And 
Kathleen is like, well, you know, you know, you're having anxiety. And Kate is like, I just, I'm really anxious. And now I'm getting more anxious about the idea of being anxious in Hawaii because Tyler brought it up. And when I think about anxiety attacks, they may, like just in that vicious circle. And Kathleen is like, but you need to feel the anxiety to know what's going on. And I'm like, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. Kate is, it's so sad. She's like, I just don't want to deal with this the rest of my life. It's just too miserable. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And here we go. Because we know Caitlin gets pretty seriously suicidal within the next couple of years after this. The next year she's in treatment, right? Like, it's not that long after this that she goes to treatment for the first time. Um, and th- that that's the language around it, right? It's very passive. And I'm not saying if you think this way that you are suicidal because a lot of us me included, just have suicidal ideation. And I talk like this all the time and I have no plans whatsoever to hurt myself and I won't hurt myself, but it's just the way my brain works. Like if I have something hard to do, I'm like, I think I'm just going to kill myself instead. When I found out that everybody didn't think like that, I was like truly mind blown, (laughs) like truly mind blown. Um, that not everybody thinks about just, like, driving their car off the side of the road. Like, not for any reason. I just do. It's just it's just how I think about things. Like, if I just have too much to do, I'm like, well, should I kill myself? And it's like, but it's such a fleeting thought. And obviously, I'm like, no, I shouldn't do that. Uh, but I think Kate is starting to really vocalize some concerning stuff here. That she's, like, living in constant fear of having these anxiety attacks, that she doesn't want to live this way, that she's really miserable. And it's just, it's not surprising to me that she's in treatment, like, not that long after this. She also says something weird where she's like, I was the happiest kid, child, and then teenager for years, and then out of nowhere, this smacked me in the face. Like, were you... I'm surprised that you would describe yourself that way. And it's very clear that nobody has ever talked to Kate about trauma at this point. Here's the thing. Everybody's so fucking annoying where they're like, all Kate does is talk about her trauma. Trauma, 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 trauma. But like, this is why. Because she is sitting in a therapy session being like, I have absolutely no clue why I feel this way. I have no idea. Despite the fact that we know that she was molested. She was assaulted as a child physically by her mom's boyfriends, that her mom was extremely verbally and I think physically abusive, that she grew up in abject poverty, often without enough food, that she had absolutely no stability in her life, that she then places a daughter for adoption after getting pregnant as a teen. And she's like, I don't know why I feel this way. Yeah, it's fucking good that she recognizes the trauma is why she feels this way. It helps. And it's why she's doing better because she's, like, finally working through it. She thinks all of her anxiety stems from Carly, which, like, girl. Mm, You place Carly because of trauma. (laughs) Like, that's why you had to place Carly. Ugh. This is just really, it's just really hard to watch. And it really does make me feel proud of both Caitlin and Tyler and just how much of a better place they're in. All right, let's bring it home with the reason I decided to watch these episodes specifically. 
because I, and I think I might have even done an episode on these in the past, this episode, because I just wanted to talk about Amber finding out about Matt and the kids because it's just so, it's so good. Clearly, this has started going on, like, around online when this happened. I'm assuming, you know, if memory serves incorrectly, season 5A must have been airing and Matt was on the scene. I'm guessing the episodes with Matt just started airing. Which, I mean, Amber keeps saying we've been together for a year, um, but then she'll also say stuff like they were talking for six months before he came. And also we know that Amber doesn't do math very well when it comes to her relationship length. So my guess is that Matt had been there at her house for about six months and had started filming six months prior. So the episodes were just airing on TV. People were just finding out about him and the articles were coming about the kids in the court cases. And clearly, either a producer told Gary, somebody tells Gary that somebody tags Gary, somebody sends this to Gary. Somebody's like, just a heads up, Matt's got these kids. And it's really, it's very funny the way that like the show has this all happen. So first, I totally forgot that Matt and Amber were flipping houses. Remember, they were going to have a sober living in one of those houses. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh, my God. Um, She is like, she's so happy. She's engaged. She, her, Matt, and Leah go and look at wedding venues. And they're like, they're feeling so great. And everything is so great. And then we get a scene of Gary at his house being like, you know, I did a court case search. She shows Christina and he's like, Matt has five court cases for seven kids. And Christina's like, huh? And like while they're doing this, they cut to Amber being like, it was so hard for him to move here because his kids, but you know, his kids are older and it was just so important for me to meet them and I love them and he's such a great dad. That's why I love reality TV. That is incredible editing. Uh, Gary's like, oh my God, these women are all over the place. He and Christina are shook. They are shook. Uh, So it's time for Amber to bring Leah back. So, oh, I'm sorry. Before that, Gary goes to see his lawyer because at this point in time, Amber is fighting for 50-50 custody in court. And so the lawyer's like, how's it going? And Gary's like, you know, I think everything is actually going pretty well. And uh, Leah really likes going with Amber. Amber seems to be in a good place. But look, I found out all this stuff. I'm I'm pretty worried about it. And the lawyer's like, yeah, I agree that this is pretty concerning. There's not really anything we can do about it now. But he's like, should I tell Amber? And the attorney's like, well, yeah, I, I think so. I think she should know this. <laughs> So when they go to drop Leah off, Leah's in the back seat, and Matt and Amber are talking. They're like, do you think Gary's going to come out and try and talk to us? Because they're fighting about this custody. <laughs> Excuse me, I have the hiccups. They're fighting about this custody stuff right now. And Matt, in front of Leah, goes, I wonder if he's going to come out of that house. That phony bastard. Ugh, 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 ugh. So they get there and Gary comes out on the porch. And I just want to reiterate that like Leah is still sitting in the backseat of the car as this is all happening. And Gary kind of yells like, hey, come here. I have something for you to Amber. And Amber's like, 
no. Why are you out here? You never come out here. And he's like, but I have this paper for you. Amber literally rolls up the window. (laughs) And then he's like still shaking it. So she's like, what is it? And he's like, it's for you. And she's like, okay. So she gets up, she gets out of the car. And he's like, so I don't know if you're aware this is coming up, but like, do you know how many kids Matt has? And Amber is like instantly confused and on guard. She knows, she knows something's happening, but she doesn't know what's happening. It's very interesting from like a meta point of view to watch these scenes because she's, what she's most mad about is the cameras being there and like Gary fucking with her as she feels on camera. So she's like, yeah, he has two kids. And Gary goes, he has seven. (laughs) And he, like, gives her a piece of paper. And Amber immediately is like, no, those are not his kids. I've talked to his exes. I know his kids. And Gary's like, okay, but these women want child support from him. And Amber's like, if that was true, he would have been in court 10, or he would have been in jail 10 years ago. And Gary's like, okay, but, like, look at this paper. So she storms back to the car and like kind of throws it at Matt. And once again, I want to remind you that Leah is sitting in the backseat of the car because instead of Gary, like going and getting Leah and being like, Hey babe, head inside. I need to talk to your mom real quick. Gary wants to put on a show, right? He just wants to put on a fucking show. He said, Gary's a real asshole for doing this, but it's kind of an iconic television moment. I gotta say. So she then, like, turns from the car and starts to yell at Gary. She's like, I have been with this man for a year. I think I know him. You should talk to me or him before you put in the front of the cameras because now everyone will know. All the million people that I have to prove. And then, like, Matt's like, boo-boo, don't worry about that. Because boo-boo's sitting in the back seat. (laughs) And Lee's like, I don't even really know what they're talking about. Oh, my God. Amber's then looking at these papers. She's like, these are women who filed papers on him. And they do that for TV. And that pisses me off. Matt's like, yeah, I don't even know who these people are. And she's like, I just, these don't make sense. Leah gets out of the car finally and goes inside. And so they're driving away. And Matt is such a master. Like, watching him con her in real time is so wild to me it's just it's so wild because it's so obvious what he's doing right because right away amber is like i cannot believe he did this on camera and matt is like great she's not a gary for doing this on camera so i'm gonna focus in on this he doesn't even really bother to defend himself at this point it's like all attention on gary and i mean that's brilliant right because that's who amber hates the most gary And Matt is like, these, you know, this isn't real. And she's like, this is crazy. This is crazy. And she's like, you're not going to say anything. You're just going to sit there. And he's like, I don't even know what there is to say. Like, it's all just bullshit. And they get to the house. They're, you know, ripping the GoPros out of the car. And Heather is there, Heather, the producer. And she comes up to Matt and she's like, Matt, can I just talk to you for a second? And once again, Matt, Matt knows exactly what he needs to do to please Amber. He's like, get your shit and get the fuck out of my house. He's like, get your shit and don't ever, ever come back here again. She, she has been through enough with the court of public opinion. I promise you, I'm not letting her go through this again. I'm going to go medieval on that fat ass, meaning Gary. If he wants to come after me, 
fine. But he let her get ambushed. This is bullshit. Just like screaming that, how dare Gary do this to Amber and making the issue the cameras. It's so fucking smart because he knows that Amber is most like sensitive about people judging her on camera. He knows that Amber feels like Gary uses the cameras to do this. He knows he really has all those kids and she's about to find this out. So what he's doing is like, how can I figure out how to make it so that Gary and MTV are the villains here and not me. So later that night, we get audio of Matt and Amber fighting. One would think that they would know to take off their mic pack. So I don't know where this audio came from. Like, wouldn't if you kicked MTV out of your house and you wanted to go have a fight, wouldn't you take off your mics? I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, and they're fighting about it. And he's like, it's bullshit. It's going to go away. And she's like, how? How? If you have that many kids, you're a deadbeat father. He's like, but I don't. She's like, I thought I knew you, but I don't know who these people are. He's like, you're being crazy unfair right now. Uh, uh. Amber's like, how am I being unfair? And he goes, you're wrong. She's like, so what am I wrong about? He says, it's not true. And that that's when Amber starts to lose it. She's like, fuck with me. Fuck with me. And watch what happens to your life. Maybe that's when they remembered the fucking camera, the mics were on. So it's the next day or whatever, the next time they're agreeing to film. And I'd probably not the next day because I doubt MTV or Amber let MTV because Larry comes out, you know, Larry Musnick, one of the the head producers. Larry is there and he's talking to Matt and Amber and about what happened. And Matt's like, he's clearly afraid of custody. So he decided to attack me. And, you know, Amber's like, I just don't know why he did it on camera. I don't know. And she's like, I don't know where he got this info, but I want to believe the man that I've been with. I want to believe him. But if it's true, I'm just going to look like a naive little girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, girl. And she's like crying about looking stupid. And once again, it just shows how fucked up their relationship is that she is way more upset about people knowing this than about Matt being a fucking con man who lied to her. And she's like, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. I can't go through all of this on TV. I can't. So they're still refusing to film. And so in the second episode, Morgan and Kiki, Morgan J. Freeman and Kiki, the two other head producers, come to talk to them about it. And Amber's like, we've been fighting. It's we've it's been horrible. And this is what she says. All seven of the kids aren't his, but I think a couple may be because of how he was in his past. If there's a case, we'll figure it out, but not on TV. This man, this man doesn't deserve this to have to have this on camera. Bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course he deserves this to have this on camera. That's why he's with you, babe, to have this on camera. You silly, silly goose. Kiki? Okay, I I know this, like, flips some people out because I used to see people get upset about this all the time, especially with Kristen, who was Janelle's producer, when she would, like, manipulate them into filming. I love to watch it because I think it's an art Kiki is like, Amber, this is why you are such an inspiration. You're so strong. You have been through so much. This is why it's so important for you to tell your story. (laughs) 
she really knows how to get Amber's ego. She really, it's honestly, it's, it's really impressive. Matt is like, this is such a shock to me. You know, this all happened because remember, Matt was a drug addict in his past life, which I've always believed to not be true. I think that was a total con that he was doing to get Amber to connect with him. Do I believe that Matt like abused drugs and drank too much? Sure, of course. But I remember like a bunch of people from his past came out and they were like, "Mm, we've never heard about Matt having a drug addiction. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't think that's true. I think he used it to excuse all of his behavior. I think he used it to bond with Amber. I think he used it as a way to like control Amber in some ways because he would do stuff and be like, I'm going to relapse. And she would then be like throwing these pills down the toilet. Supposedly. I, I don't know. The Matt and Amber of it all is such a mystery to me. And if I could have like one unedited raw piece of film or content from teen mom, I honestly think I would have loved to just see everything that was going on in Matt and Amber's house because (laughs) it could not have been pretty. He's like, things that happen are happening right now is because of my past life. But the difference between me and Gary is that he's a piece of shit now. This is happening because he's a piece of shit. And he's like, and you know what? I'm the one that takes care of Leah. I'm close to Leah. I'm raising Leah. Uh. (laughs) Oh, gosh. The episode ends with Leah not being or Leah having a birthday and Amber wasn't allowed to go over to the birthday party. But Gary did let Amber drop off a present later that night. Leah's so happy she's there. Uh, Everybody's getting along. Matt and Gary are talking about the renovations. And it's kind of like nothing ever happened. Christina, like, sends a really nice text after they leave, basically being like, Leah was so glad that you're there. She loves you so much. And Amber's really happy about it. And she gets to take Leah over the weekend. And they pick her up in a limo and, like, have a birthday surprise with her family. And it's, it's nice. But... Oh, my God. Watching that scene unfold with Gary telling Amber is so good. I highly suggest you go watch this episode 18 just for the Amber scenes. They're so good. All right, everyone. That's it for this week. Uh, If you want to hear more from me, go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. This week's episode was on Julia Hart and my unorthodox life. I believe this upcoming episode will be Vanderpump Rules And this episode is going to come out on Super Bowl Sunday. So let's fucking go, birds. Hopefully, you will be hearing from me next week after a Super Bowl win. Fingers crossed. I'm so hyped. Let's go, Eagles. Go, birds. Let's get it. All right, everyone. Have a good week. Bye.